Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. You work for the railroad, Grandpa? I work for no man. You got a name, do you? I have no name. Well, that right there may be the reason you've had difficulty finding gainful employment. You see, in the mart of competitive commerce... <laughs> I don't understand why you like that one so much. You have to know the movie. Oh, my I gosh. I watched the movie. I thought it was a stupid movie. Oh, brother, where art thou? It kind of grows on no you like food. a fungus. We got no jobs. Our pets' heads are falling off. Come on, now that's a funny line. Yeah, in a lowbrow sort of way, Pete. Come on. I don't understand. What else is there? <laughs> There's just, you know, you know what it is? Is it's kind of like someone took Forrest Gump and just made a comedy out of the whole thing. Because you're not really supposed to think Forrest Gump is that funny because a guy's not slow. a comedy. But <laughs> well, the funniest line in Forrest Gump is, I'm sorry I broke up your Black Panther party. That's the best part actually, of the whole I movie. Actually, I thought there was a, a much funnier line that I'm not, actually not going to say on the podcast. Uh, the best thing about getting shocked in the buttocks is all the ice cream. Uh, nope, and I'm not going to say it on the be. podcast. You can keep going with lines, and I guarantee you, you're not going to come up with this one. Oh, right. Now you made me want to watch it for some <laughs> twisted, no. dark, devious reason. No, I can't do it. I can't do it. Don't don't. No, hey, when Pete Mitchell says I, I can't go right, there, right? You don't poke the bear. You know, it's kind of like when I was in college. No lie, this, this truly happened. My buddy, um, you know, I went to a, a Christian university, and my buddy goes, "Oh, hey, Pete, why don't you call one of those uh, uh, astrology numbers?" This is back when they used to advertise all that nine seven six stuff on yeah, yeah, TV yeah. all the late time. Late night television. It wasn't even late night at that point, and uh, I'm like, no, no. 
He's like, why? And I go, there's only a few things God calls an abomination. That's one of them. I'm not calling it. He's like, if Pete won't do it, it's bad. Like that was like the mark. If Pete won't do it, it's really bad. The funny thing is, is you didn't really do bad stuff. I mean, you, you know, you're a pretty upstanding guy. No, I mean, I you're, know you're your right. Character. I did. I did uh, Christian bad stuff. <laughs> you know? Exactly. I, I think you were more of a prankster, a little more devious, kind of like you are on this podcast, but your character's tried and true. So, Well, I definitely, let's not go that far. <laughs> I know my character better than let's you. Let's keep our feet on the ground there, pal. <laughs> let's, let, let's just, let's just say um, I'm a work in progress. <laughs> I mean, we already promoted you to pastor since you started this whole thing. You know, after you mailed away for the internet ordination, I thought there'd be no stopping you. <laughs> you know, but uh, so as funny. soon as I try to, you know, graduate you to near deity status, you, you back off. I don't know. I'm confused. If if people, if you're new to the podcast and don't know what you're talking about, I am an ordained minister thanks to the internet, the Church of the Internet. Actually, I don't remember the name of it. <laughs> I get emails from them. <laughs> Because I guess how most people use their ordination is so they can do weddings. And so, you know, I'm on the email list because I'm ordained through them. So there is it know. like the first church of Coolio or something like that. I don't, I don't, it's, it's a very popular one here in California because I like your hairstyle. It, it kind of reminds me of Coolio. But it's, they're, they're always talking about same sex marriages and here's how you do it. And blah, blah, blah. I'm like, what? Well, because it's like it's not, you know, a Christian Ordination. Okay, so the other thing that's an abomination that is not biblically listed is your ordination. <laughs> apparently, man. Apparently. <laughs> apparently. Hey, so uh, welcome to the Church Planner Podcast. Just to um, really quickly give you uh, just a little intro. If you're new to the podcast, uh, <laughs> this is what we do. <laughs> this is what we do for the first few minutes is we just shoot the breeze, screw around. Then we get into real church planning gold. It does go there. Just bear with us. Are are you making sound clips? What? That's all I got to say. <laughs> so uh, I was talking to my mentor this week, and he mentioned, you know, when, he had seen when did the we jump talk? school. When did we, when did we talk? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, my real mentor. I I, I was talking to him, and uh, he uh, he goes, "Hey, I, you know, I saw that jump school clip of you." You know, you really have a nice way about you on the camera. You really have a sense of authority. And, and he goes, not like your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Who said this? You can you can hear the the puzzlement in his voice. And Who he goes, said this? I must know. Who is your mentor? You wouldn't know him, but uh, he, he was in Church Zero. Cha-ching! His name was Dan Berg. I, if I ever mentioned the guy that was a furniture repairman, but was one of the most brilliant, illustrative preachers I ever heard, that was him. And uh, that guy took me under his wing at a young age. and uh, But he's a great guy, man. He's got a cracking sense of humor. So he was laughing. And he's like, you know, I, I tried listening. And he goes, <laughs> you guys would start to say something really interesting. And then you go way off in left field talking about some movie. And I'm like, what is this? And I said, well, you got to scrub forward, Dan, about 20 minutes, 30 minutes in, maybe. It's an hour-long show. And when we're bad we're about 30 minutes. When we're good, we're about 10, maybe 15. So you might want to scrub. That's so we I'm haven't saying. been good in about 100 episodes. <laughs> we kind of haven't. You know, remember you, Stephen, say, oh, man, we better get into the topic. You know, it's been 10 minutes. What is today's topic, by the way? We should let everyone know what they're going to get after the smack talk. Indeed. Um, today's topic is what is a ninja church planner? 
Calm down, Italy, 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 Italy. They did their best. Shoddily, Italy, Italy, Italy. Gotta be nice. Hostility, Italy, Italy, Italy. Ah, hell, did I think that crap? <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Flanders, for that fine example of Christian cussing. Oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah, no, that's cool. I like it. Ninja Church Planner. So we got that to look forward to. So um, before we get to that, maybe we should do a little uh, little sponsorship, maybe? Yes, except I think from now on, when we do our sponsorships, we should do them as if we're characters acting out in a play. So we have to pick something like... Uh, I, I do Les Miserables, but I cannot sing for the life of me. Let's do it, man. <laughs> let's just do it. Which one do you want to be? Master of the house. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So is this uh, Mogif? <laughs> Who else would it be? Who else can we murder like that? And they still stick with us Absolutely. as sponsors. All right. So uh, let's see. Here's the setting. <laughs> the setting is uh, 18th century France uh, during the uh, the revolution. So we're setting the stage. Right? That's what I'm doing. I should have some sound clips for this. That's all I got We to say. should. And uh, who are you? Are you going to, oh, so you're going to be the innkeeper and I'll be I, the You know, chick? I honestly, it's been so long since I've seen it. I don't think I would do it justice. We're going to make it up. It doesn't matter. It, it, the worse it is, the better it <laughs> I is. I don't even, I can't even do a voice. I'd have to come up with like a really bad English accent. Oh, give up the house. Because <laughs> I'll, I'll be the chick, you know? <laughs> you just have to do it. I'm just going to watch. All right. Um, let's see. And if you feel like putting any sound effects in or I don't even, maybe any I, that's choral thing. arrangements. What am I going to do? Like R2-D2? That's like all I got. <laughs> beep, boop, beep, boop. <laughs> beep, boop, beep, boop. You've seen that Star Wars. Uh, oh, now my mentor's haunting me. He's like, see, you're saying something interesting. Now you're going off. You've seen that one, though, where the kids do Star Wars. Best sound clip on that where they're like, I'm trying to get a right to another planet. Have you seen that one no. where they have the kids watch Star Wars and then they put their voices no. into the... Oh, dude. So hey, your worship. I'm only trying to help. All right. Well, uh, okay. I will try to do a solo of uh, Mogev. So uh, I'll have to start it off different. You, you be the guy and I'll be the chick and then we'll start singing. I, I don't know where... I I'm sorry I said Les Miserables. I don't even know how to start it. All right, all right. Let's pick another movie then. Um, <laughs> I love how we've built up this whole commercial. Okay, okay. Full Metal Jacket. Oh my god! And gosh. I'll be the drill sergeant. No, because I just be want private pile. I just I just be cussing too much, so we can't do. <laughs> no, no. I'll full. be the drill sergeant. That's why I said that. I'll be the drill sergeant, and you be. I'll be Forrest Gump to do whatever you tell me to do, drill sergeant. <laughs> Is that what that's from? Is that the one? No, no, it's a different movie, right? The drill sergeant is from Full Metal Jacket, right? Well, yeah, but he says that. You remember? Yeah, he does. Okay. The okay. drill sergeant comes up to him. What's your job to do here? All to right, do okay, whatever right. you tell me to do, drill sergeant. You could be the smartest man on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here goes the Mogive commercial. Guys, we are getting it. This is just a commercial, by the way. But uh, in future, Pete and I will, will, will work on our scripts. Get into character, that whole thing. It's going to take a while. It's going to be a big deal. So, uh Robert, you listen to me. Have you been using eBay as a way to sell online giving for your church? eBay? How, how do we get to eBay? Oh, PayPal. PayPal. <laughs> yes, sir. Listen up, you parrot infested, dropping you sorry sack of an excuse for a human being and a church planner. You need to use MoGive, MoGive.com. You understand me? Yes, sir. I'll go to MoGive.com for his last church as soon as I get off this podcast, sir. 
at mogivechurch forward slash dot com dash dark dang diddly crap dot net. <laughs> oh my gosh, let's just put that one out of its misery. All right, so what was that? MoGive. That was pretty good. I like that. I Actually, I kind of like the idea. I think we should do their commercial as a new movie should. every time. Every week. Don't take that one off. I like that. Okay, so it's mogive.com forward slash church. That is a cheap and easy way to manage your online giving, especially, guys, as the end of your tax donor receipts is coming up, and you don't want to be doing that or making your treasure do that. Who's the more foolish, the fool or the fool who follows it? <laughs> what does that say about our listeners? Pete? Hey, look, all I can say is you, you actually asked me this week. You said, hey, should we put the smack talk at the end and do the serious stuff at the beginning? To which, because I, I it probably stemmed now that I know you had this conversation with your mentor, probably stemming, you know, from, from <laughs> yeah, him. Maybe a little bit. <laughs> and all I can say is I've looked at the numbers. We have like a four to one ratio of people who listen to this podcast over our serious podcast, Hardcore Church Planning. I know, isn't that funny? Because uh, we have we have big names on another podcast a lot. I know, I know. We You'd who's think our most recent draw? We had Steve Addison, and who do we have before yeah. him? I love that dude. I just got to say, if you guys have not gone over and listened to uh, our hardcore church planning interview with Steve Addison, that dude's a real deal, man. He's such a stud. He's out in the field, and he's like the PhD level of uh, studying missional movements. Definitely check him out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely check him out. Definitely, definitely. yeah, definitely. Good Ooh, Rain Man, we'll do yeah. we'll do MoGiv as Rain Man next time. Yeah, hot date with MoGiv. Yeah, excited. Yeah, oh, yeah. Or, using using PayPal. Using uh-oh, PayPal. PayPal. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so um, before we get into actual content, which is what at least uh, I don't know twenty percent of the audience wants. Well, here's another one. Kit. I Ooh. sense that there's someone using PayPal Ooh. up on the roof. Michael. <laughs> oh, dude, we're going to have fun. Oh, we are. Look out, MoGiv. It's coming. These commercials have just gotten good. Hey, um, <laughs> we amuse ourselves on this show primarily. <laughs> That's all I really care about is bringing enjoyment and smiles to my own life. I don't really care so much about everyone else. But here's what I was going to say. This is a really important thing for us to talk about. Two things, actually, I think, along this topic. Number one, Star Wars is days away. Oh, Two weeks, baby. I am. I mean, you know, I don't know when people are going to be listening to this, but it's coming up. It's coming up so quickly. I um, I am pretty much just like counting down the days. I've got my own advent calendar up, and I'm counting down the days of Star Wars. That's awesome. You you actually have a Star Wars advent calendar? Yeah, and it counts down to the to the start of Star Wars, the new Star Wars. What day are you seeing it? Well, I still plan. I told you. I don't. I can't do the podcast Friday morning because that's when I'm going to go. I'm not going to do it Thursday night. I don't feel like dealing with the lines, but I'm going to go Friday morning. Yeah. So I won't be doing the podcast. How early then. does one think that it will be playing on that Friday? Well, according to my local theater, 10 a.m. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. So I could go catch a matinee Friday morning, uh, which I wouldn't because of my employment. <laughs> yes, <laughs> disclaimer. Everything yes, ma'am. No, I'm working. I'm not, I'm not a- taken seriously in any way, shape, or whatsoever. But, you know, here's the other thing that I would say. You actually forwarded to me the uh, postcard that Impact Church is doing. Someone's been listening to the podcast. Well, I don't know if that's because of the podcast. He just might be a Star Wars fan for all. I know. Why don't you tell everyone about that? 
because I really, really liked the idea, and I'm actually um, thinking about going to see it Sunday night with them because they said they're going to go after church on Sunday, which they have it on Sunday evenings. And I was like, hey, dude, I'm going to go catch all up with within them. the New Breed Church Planning community, brother. Here's the thing: is Charlie Marquez made up a uh, a postcard that has on one side uh, the lightsabers crossing and Obi Wan Kenobi's face, and he says, "Strike me down, and I will become more powerful." than you could ever imagine. And then he says that was an epic moment, but it wasn't the first time someone had seen this. And then you flip it over and then it's got a picture of the Death Star and it says there was someone else who brought down an evil empire by making a sacrifice. And then it talks a little bit about Jesus and then it tells you to come to Impact Church. What he's going to do is he's going to, um, on that Sunday night, because they're still meeting Sunday nights, they're going to invite people to come along. They're going to do a bunch of free giveaways, Star Wars giveaways, they're going to do um, free ticket giveaways. And so this is something you can hand to people and, and lead up to it. Plus, you can hand it out on the night in the line. And, uh, yeah, they're going to all go see it as a church Sunday night. That's awesome. After the service. Yeah, that's genuinely awesome. I dig and it. it literally brings you to the church for, like, the giveaways and the whole event and all that kind of stuff. So it's, uh, you know, Charlie Marquez. Um, I would like to claim credit as his mentor, but, uh, you know. That would seem arrogant to me. You know, all I could say, and I was thinking about this this morning, I'm going to be really upset if when Luke has his own kid, he names him Flynn or Finn or whatever that new guy's name is from the new Star Wars movie. Because that's just not cool. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. The next generation. (laughs) Yeah. You know, what is it? Is it Finn or Flynn? Finn? Finn. What a horrible name. Who names their kid Finn? Yeah. Or Flynn. You know, like. Finn Ray, like Ray Finn, like it's kind of like a, I don't know, man, all those names. I've said this before. They're all dumb. Kylo Ren, Finn, BB-88, Ray. Kylo Ren to me sounds like, it sounds like an Asian name. Well, you had Kit Fisto in the prequels, but I mean, you had things like Darth Vader. Like that's just a bad, you know, it's a bad boy name. Like you need that name. It's Lord Vader to some of us. Oh, Indeed. Darth Lord of the Sith. Last week, drove up to San Francisco for uh, the Thanksgiving holiday, which, by the way, is an absolute miserable trip with a uh, sub one-year-old and a four-year-old because it took a six-and-a-half-hour trip and turned it into 10 hours each way. It's just it's miserable. Well, we're, um, we're driving up, and so one of the things that I've started to do is Jamie won't, listen, won't let me listen to podcasts on the way right? because they don't interest her. Like church planner podcast doesn't interest her. None of my marketing podcasts interest her. You need to get an ice skating podcast. Oh my gosh, to did I just blow my own brains out? So, <laughs> so I um I buy books on Audible, which by the way you can get a free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash cpm. Help put a little pirate. Uh, help put a little wind in these pirate sails over here. And I uh, so we listened to this John Grisham book, and then I was like, why didn't I order a Star Wars book? And listen to that, right? Because I got all these hours. So for the way back, I ordered uh, one of the recent Star Wars books. Nice. Which one? Lost Stars. Yeah, I never heard of it. Well, let me just say, don't. Um, I would encourage everyone to please not buy that book. Yeah. I feel like I'm listening to a CW TV show. It's like this young love, these two people and how they love themselves, but they're caught in the middle of this galactic empire war. And I'm like, dude, 
where are the lightsabers? <laughs> well, you know what? Like, here's kind of the deal. Like, that's what Star Wars had right. There were no kids in it, right? There was barely no romance. The most romantic line in the whole film is, uh, I love you. I know. Right? And they repeat it in Jedi. By the way, I just watched Jedi. This week, we had, you know, kind of the, the crescendo where Liberty closed out her education on Star Wars. And uh, she really liked it. She dug the Ewoks. But, man, I forgot how lame the Ewoks were and how boring the Ewok scenes were. Like when they're in the little Ewok village. That's really boring. I really don't even remember that much. Yeah, it's really long. How many times do you think you're going to see Star Wars when it comes out that weekend? Well, if it's like Phantom Menace, which I saw about six times in the theater. Did I'll probably you? See Why? This Dude, I, see, I'm weird, though, like this. Like, if I go back and watch it now, it really, I see what everyone else sees in that film. Like, it sucked. But at the time, you, you I think we forget that for its time, 1999, that movie was groundbreaking. It really, on its visual effects, on the amount of CGI he successfully pulled off, um, and on the art design, the concept design on that movie was off the chain. I will never forget watching the uh, robot transport open up and all of the robots folded up into little fetuses and those racks coming out, those revolving racks, and then being placed on the ground as marching troops. Oh, my gosh. I was like, that is one of the coolest things ever. Um, The double-sided lightsaber, that lightsaber duel was by far, even today, the best lightsaber duel. It's not the best fight. The best fight is definitely Luke and Darth Vader. I mean, you can't top that. But the best duel, that's, that's the best fight. Jedi's fight and Empire's fights are way better than anything the prequels pulled off. But as far as just sheer lightsaber action, that movie was the best. I just shot you. <laughs> you know what? Pee shot first. Pee shot first. <laughs> <laughs> You got you, Bobo Pita. All right, so uh, maybe we should actually get into our topic because we're twenty minutes in. I was I was asking how many times you're going to see Star Wars because I was actually curious. I, I I anticipate I'll probably see at least two three times that weekend. Oh, you lightweight. Hey, so on a side note, I got kids. Yeah, I guess that's true, huh? That's yeah. true. Yeah, you know what? I I Star Wars hasn't come out since I've had kids. So yeah. I'm probably like you. I'll probably see it once, maybe twice. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking I can see it twice on Friday and Sunday. I might just do back to back all day. I might skip I'm, church and just do Star Wars. I'm still scared. It's going to suck. I'm not. I'm not because it's JJ Abrams. Yeah. I'm totally not worried about it. Sucking yeah. actually. So, okay. So getting into our theme just real quick. I want to, uh, just, uh, uh, kind of, I, I, you know, I got bad news today. Um, I don't, I don't know if anyone here is a Stone Temple Pilots fan, but yep. Scott Whelan passed away this morning. Yeah, he was the uh, lead singer. That sucked. So, um, if you're out there, guys, and uh, you you got drug issues, <laughs> you shouldn't be a church planner. And uh, beyond that, man, get help. And uh, that was just a sucky, sucky thing. Is that how he died? But, I didn't read how he died. I read that he did die, but. You know, apparently he hadn't touched heroin in 2002, but his Facebook photos uh, betray that as an untruth because he was definitely using um, prior, you know, on the recent tour that he was doing. So I don't want to spend any time on it. It's just one of those things, man. It just always sucks. Wasted talent. 
You know, when when that happens, a guy's life is cut short. Always sucks. Always. Just- well, and and I mean, this has been a crazy week because we had a our own little terrorist attack here in San Bernardino. No kidding, right? I mean, in San Bernardino. Like yeah. I was telling my wife this morning, I go, you know what? I think I'm going to go buy a shotgun. So like, why? And I'm like, because you know, we got guns, but we got long guns, and I mean, if someone comes and does this around here. I think a shotgun might be the easiest way to defend myself. I yeah. know. Cause I don't need to be great with the old, uh, accuracy just, you know, but I mean, th- these are the times that we live in. Yeah. It's weird. isn't it, I think I w- if it, ha- if it can happen in San Bernardino, freaking San Bernardino, no kidding. Right? Like that wasn't a very strategic target. Let's just be honest. And I think that's the point. Like the point is if you really want to instill fear in people, you don't necessarily pick strategic targets. New York, LA, Hollywood, whatever. Yeah, you kind of yeah. do. Um, you know, kind of what happened in in Paris. I mean, you just yeah. start doing a lot of different things. Now, this was yeah. obviously, I think, th- this wasn't a coordinated attack. This was just, hey, you know what? We're going to take up our own little jihad here, local. But the point is, if it can happen here, it can happen anywhere. When we mentioned this in Jump School, that uh, on our Band of Brothers call, we mentioned just uh, we had Jerry uh, McCarty who is our new breed global, um, you know, director. And he was over there in Paris, um, shortly afterwards. And he said that there was a million for the French. That is very rare to have such a ready gospel conversation. He said, every person they talked to, it turned into a gospel conversation just because people are more in touch with their mortality. And now to, uh, be true to my mentor, we will now change topics right after I've said something very interesting. Let's get into our topic. Okay, here we go. Great, Scott. It's time for this week's topic. Oh, but one other thing. No, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you were going to kick into my pastoral prayer for you this week. (laughs) No. Which we're not allowed to talk about. No, we're not. (laughs) So what is this week's topic? I can't even remember what you said. Oh, the Ninja Church Planner. Yeah, Ninja Church Planning. So, guys... I, I may have mentioned this on the podcast before. I am uh, my pet peeve, and I'm not kicking off from my pet peeve, but I just want to give a little bit of background here. My pet peeve is people talking about what they don't do. Eugene Cho uh, wrote a book about this um, this past year about how Christians are very good about talking, and they're very good about talking about things they don't do. And, of course, you know that talking uh, can sometimes be a substitute for doing. You can actually kind of kick out the jams. Like you got all this tension, you feel you ought to be doing something and you can talk about it and get almost the same endorphin release from talking about it as you do doing it. And so what, what I'm finding right now in the church is that many guys are talking about multiplication who are not themselves multiplication church planners. So one one of the things, for example, like a few years ago, it was discipleship and missional and all these buzzwords. And now we're hearing multiplication, um, church planting. Don't be a church plant, be a church planting movement. And so many of the guys that are speaking about this stuff are not themselves. Um, those who have started church planting movements and uh, or they're not people who have ever uh, multiplied churches. And so one of the things that that always kind of um, 
concerns me is when I hear guys talking a bunch like an authority on a certain topic that they've never done, um, then I get a little scared for the guys that are listening because it, it would be like Pete, you mentioned that, you know, if you had, um, you know, you, you mentioned on a podcast, you're like, Hey, uh, let me tell you about my, um, you know, my, my, my book on childbearing. It's that like, you would not want a woman to pick up your book that tells them how to get through childbirth. Right. Well, not unless she really wants to be helped. <laughs> so, so here's the deal. Um, so in, in, in all the talk of multiplication, um, and, and by the way, just so you know, like kind of my, my deals at, um, my, my background, I have not myself planted a huge number of churches. Um, I've planted relatively a small number of churches. But what I have done is I've planted what I would call hubs. And then what I do is I serve as an apostolic presence within a circle of churches. After I've planted the initial church, we begin to plant out. And so um, in Wales, by the time we, st- we had started New Breed, and I coached another guy who became a sister church, and then we started raising up each of us our own church planners. And by the time, let's see, 2006 to 2010, we were recruiting church planners and we were beginning to form a network. And at our final conference, we had 50 church planners represented in a very short time. Um, and, and so for us, you know, that was the closest thing to a multiplication movement we'd ever had. And even within Long Beach, um, in the last few years, um, we've seen a number of churches planted, which has been unusual because I have not been in that community while we've been planting. And so um, I've commuted and that's, that's been new. It wasn't my intention, but, uh, but, but currently in, in, uh, San Diego, my role is to recruit, train and support church planners within the network of San Diego County. And that is one of the keys of multiplication. Whenever you plant, you need kind of like the apostle Paul, the apostle Paul in his third missionary journey went for a multiplication model. And what he did was he started off in a hub. And so this is what I'm describing is the hub model. And then you have a network that begins to form as you plant out from that hub. But always any multiplication movement has at its center. What no one's talking about is what I call the ninja church planner. So if you write books, if you're going to write blogs and you're going to um, talk about things, talk about what you do, right? Don't, don't talk about um, what you don't know. So when you see a multiplication movement, there's always someone who's a catalyst in the middle of it. First century style, we're talking Paul, right? So Paul planted and moved on. He was a serial church planner. So a ninja church planner, once he plants a church, he kind of steals out of the shadows, strikes, and then moves away after he's raised up leaders. And then as he's, as he's moved away, he still continues to function within that network and seed them, encourage them, send them help, um, send them people, um, move things around. And that's what multiplication looks like. But what, what we're hearing right now is we're hearing people only talk about the discipleship and evangelism uh, aspect of that. And, and what's happening is there's no discussion of a catalyst leader, almost like a super planter is what Paul was. He planted every three to four months. That's how long he spent in a community. And then he would move on, but he would keep contact and he would form a network 
where he would send funds back and forth and people back and forth. And that was the strength. So Ying Kai, Steve Smith, T4T, all these things. If you talk to the guys in Asia, and I've been talking to them recently, these are the things that they're doing. And this is first century style. And um, uh, Steve Addison on our podcast recently was hitting on this as well in pioneering movements. He talks about the presence of this kind of person. I find that <clears throat> kind of interesting. And um, I think I think part of the problem, I, I don't know if this is, I don't know if this is true. So I need to be careful about saying it. But uh, I think part of the problem and one of the reasons why we hear so many people talk about certain aspects of uh, church planning, you know, like discipleship was a, a big deal. And, oh, now it's, a, it's you know, multiplication. Because there are a lot of guys who are out there trying to make a buck as opposed to trying to plant a church. Yeah. And so and I want to be careful in saying that because I don't have a problem with people making money. I'm like the last no, guy who's got not. a problem with people making money. I'm, <laughs> I'm a marketing whore, as I've said before. <laughs> um, I just uh, – I when I see guys focusing more on, hey, I'm going to put together, you know, this – conference or this kit and this is what we're going to sell and right now this is the hot topic so this is what we're going to talk about i got more of a problem with that because i see them so busy doing that i don't see them busy actually planting but that's not to say that that stuff's not important because i do think no. it is i think and it- i'm not saying if you haven't done it you can't speak to it you can study it and speak into it but don't seek to train other people if you yourself haven't done it. I don't mind a guy studying it. You know, I got to see, I don't know that I even agree with that though. I know what you're saying, but I don't know that I agree with it. And the reason is, is there are some people who are better at coaching than they were at being players, like significantly better. And that I get, I'm not saying you have to actively be doing it now. In fact, I would say for a ninja planner, it's almost the opposite because what happens with ninja planners is they're very mobile. Remember how Paul says like, hey, I wish you all were as I was, you know, when he's talking about being single because you're able to to move around a bit more, right? Um, Paul had his mobility and he was free. He could do whatever he needed to do. He could go wherever he needed to go. As soon as you get married and start popping out kids, you're a little bit limited on where you can go and what you can do. And at that moment, I believe that a ninja planter goes from being this rapid serial planter, um, a ninja church planter. He goes to that hub model. In fact, because he's, he's, he's earthbound. Suddenly, like Paul says, he's a little bit constrained by his family obligations and it limits him. But the beauty of it is if he's doing his job well, he gets to raise up the next generation of church planters. And he becomes a trainer. It doesn't mean he has to actively be a ninja planner still, but it means that he, it is something he knows and is familiar with because he's done it. I'm I not, I understand what you're saying. I'm just saying I, I can't, I can't agree with you that I think you have to have done it because I've known so many people who are better at training. And that's just, I mean, and, and like kind of how we look at it in business is, if you can't actively train on it, you can always report on it and report would be like, Hey, look, this is what I learned from talking to these guys over here. 
Yeah. You know, and these, I don't mind these that. guys have been active in it. And it's kind of like me, right? I, I have said, um, I don't even know how many times on the podcast, I'm not a church planner. I'm not a pastor. Like, that's not my skill set. But I actually think I could speak to church planning because of literally everybody who I've talked to, um, all the podcasts that you and I have done, but I don't I don't have any background in that. I can't point to it and say, no. look, I was a church planner over here. I did that over there. Well, that's it. But you probably wouldn't set yourself up to train church planners in the sense where you're an active trainer, right? I mean, you would definitely. You I could would speak if I life. thought if I thought I knew enough. Yeah, I don't, and I wouldn't want it because to me the the stakes are too high. I don't want to. Um, <laughs> I don't want to give bad advice. Well, that's my point. That that's actually what I'm saying. I'm not saying that there's no place for someone who has never planted to speak about planting. I think there is. I think you need the guys that are eggheads who study movements, who can write about that. But I think when it comes to actually training guys what to do, I think you just really need someone to who has that experience. I'll never forget when when I did my seminary training, um, the most valuable thing wasn't the academics. We had these sessions that we met. It was an hour and a half every day, and they were called the pastorals. And they would bring this this old, wizened pastor in. Um, he had been a denominational leader. He had pastored for most of his life, something like 60 years. He was like 80 years old. Dude was like still young at heart. He had so much stinking wisdom. I still to this day draw on the things I learned from his experience as a pastor, kind of helping us cut corners and passing things down. But it, it was literally almost every question he asked, I'd give the wrong answer to. You know, what would you do in this situation? <laughs> I'd run off half cocked like some angry young kid. And, you know, he would he would just bring the wisdom of God into it. And I, I just remember going, huh, that's it. Interesting. Interesting. All right. Well, that topic's done. <laughs> well, no, but, you know, what? what is a ninja planner? Um, a ninja church planner is a guy. And, and, and here's the thing. This is this is what I'm kind of saying when we're talking about like you know, uh, multiplication movements. And this is going to really smack a bit, Pete, but um, we're talking about multiplication movements. Um, it, for guys who haven't done it, it's like white guys listening to rap music. What does that mean? <laughs> Just joking. It's, it's, it's a guy listening to rap music and he's going, you know, he's singing all the lyrics, he's using all the words, but he may not know exactly what it means. He doesn't have that experience. Oh my gosh! Don't even get me started. <laughs> that was that was like the worst analogy ever. I knew that was going to stick with you. You need to move along. Move along, sir. Move along. I knew I touched a nerve. You what did. kind of music do you listen to? Get out. <laughs> <laughs> but but here's here's the deal. Honestly, I'm only teasing you. But but here's the deal. Um, there is a sense in which, uh, if we try to do a multiplication movement and we don't have the apostolic leadership who's catalyzing all the guys in the middle, then it's not going to be enough to just have disciples. Okay. It, 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 it won't actually work because you always need someone who's kind of operating like the apostle Paul or like Timothy, like Titus, like all those guys in the middle of a network. 
And you can't, everybody keeps talking about explosive growth or growth that, that takes on a life of its own. And always behind that, um, I think that's a myth. I think always behind that, you're going to find catalytic apostolic leaders like God appointed to do the very thing we're talking about. But because it's not really been hit on yet within this discussion, um, it, it's missing something. The discussion is actually missing something. So, so today's topic is more about how do we start raising up leaders who are more apostolic and are, are not glued to one church or one church plant, but actually begin to function like the first century apostles, where they function in a region and they kind of take ownership of a region and they plant in that region and they move around within that region. That's how the catalytic action or multiplication actually happens. So what are your thoughts on that? How do you do that? Well, I think, I think the first thing is um, what our model today is to fund church planters, right? Um, so we think, oh, you know, I'll, uh, I'll fund a church planter. And as I fund a church planter, he, uh, it, the, the focus goes on that individual church. And so a lot of our funding, a lot of our, um, particularly within church planning networks, movements, um, we fund the individual church planter. And rather than, than maybe rethinking how the first century church did it, because the way that the first century church did it was they funded the apostolic catalyst. So Paul was the guy who was funded. So even if Paul went around, rather than funding one church, like, say the church in Corinth, right? We would go, well, we need to raise enough funds and then we need to fund the church plant in Corinth. Or we need to, to, to raise enough funds and fund the church plant in Rome. Or we need to raise enough funds and fund the church plants in Galatia. Um, what they would do instead is they would just support Paul. They would fund the man, not the church. And as he understood, my ministry is to plant, lay a foundation of the gospel, raise up leaders, and then move on you you left a church behind which had its own funding coming from the success or the people that were actually there if that makes sense i mean i some sometimes think we we get the cart before the horse does that make sense what do you mean by we get, we're getting the cart before the horse because we're funding if, the church plant yeah if we focus on the church plant itself funding the church plant rather than funding the church planter um, in other words, funding a guy who's free. So if I want to go faster, what I do is I, I, I don't fund that particular location. I fund the guy. And then when he feels, hey, I've laid a foundation, I've raised enough, enough leadership here to sustain and keep the work going forward. As long as he's connected to that network, he can still come back and he can, he can minister within that network to that body and spin the plate when it starts getting wobbly. But then I understand what you're saying, on. but I mean, the problem with that is you're, you're talking about people who are making and, and donating and, and giving towards this need. How are you going to change their minds? Right? Like you're talking to the wrong people, right? The, like the whole podcast is for church planners, but who would need to hear that are the people who are giving. That's not the church planner that gives like they would be happy to take the money. Please give to me. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like 
Oh yeah. Yeah. Give to me, (laughs) you know, it's like, I'm sure they're all going, yeah, give to me. (laughs) Well, but that, that's the point is it does require a paradigm shift. It, It requires a huge paradigm shift, not just to who the money goes to, but what is a church planner and what does the church planner do? Because in one sense, the church planner is kind of like the Marines, right? He takes the beachhead and the leadership he raises up is like the army. You know, they, they hold the ground. The apostolic guy is taking the new ground. He's more the front end guy. And so, you know, within that, that role of the fist, the fist leadership, you've got your apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, and teacher. Those first three are more about taking ground. So what we tend to do is we focus, we put a teacher or a shepherd into a church plant. And then, you know, because that's our traditional model, our model is, oh, you're a pastor, you know, you're a teacher, whatever. So a guy who can speak well, and we have him start a church and he doesn't reach a community. He doesn't, uh, he doesn't see success in his church. And success, by the way, is not numbers. Success is, are you breaking new ground, making new converts? Are you penetrating uh, a portion of that community? Um, that That's success. So as you're looking at that. I, w- um, I would still put a little asterisk by that. I would too. I would too. Because if you're not seeing conversions will bring numerical growth. For sure. Yeah. But, and I, I but I can't like, I, I need to be careful because in some parts of the world and even in our country, success is I am finally getting relationships built. Like the conversions are still years away. Yeah. Because totally. there, there are people who are just so anti God, anti Christian, anti, you know, and I'm thinking specifically of, you know, some of the, uh, some of the social, um, issues that we have today. There are people in different social groups who are like, I, I hate everything to do with this. And, to me, success is, look, we are finally bridging a relationship with people who, who want nothing to do with us. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. And I think that's kind of the key there is the apostolic guy, that's what he lives for, is he lives to go get those people. So he doesn't do his, and this is why they're called a ninja planner, right? You've seen on Facebook those those shirts that say, like, I call myself a pastor, but really I'm a, you know, and it's blah, 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 blah you know, ninja. And, um, and, and that's what an apostle is really. He is a, he's a ninja. He's going to penetrate. He's like a splinter cell. He's going to be able to go in to like, for example, casinos, right? Who's going in and ministering to the casinos. I was talking to someone today who told me about a guy who goes into casinos. He does a little bit of gambling, not it, it's like ministry funds that he uses. I know this is like anathema to people. What? But it's strategic money set aside not so he can he doesn't have a one-armed bandit addiction he literally is like i i go in there and i penetrate this part of the community are you serious i swear to you and that's money money that is accountable he's accountable for it it's set aside as a designated mission fund and he goes in there and he do you think he has a system (laughs) (laughs) but but seriously these are the areas where are all the 20s and 30 year olds they're in the bars in the pubs in the microbreweries and, and the point is, is that I talk to planners all the time. They're like, that's where I go. And that's where I reach people. I remember having a, a discussion. Stop me if I told this recently. Um, but I remember having a discussion with a guy at a pub once. And he goes like this. He goes, um, I said, hey, what would a church look like in here? And he goes, 
oh man, I, I hate God. I hate everything to do with God. And I said, well, you know, here's the thing, man, is what if, what if someone just did? And he goes, well, the problem with religious people is they think they're better than everybody. And I said, well, what if they could, what if they could not communicate like they're better than everybody? And he goes, well, he goes, I don't know how they do that. And I said, what if they're holding a beer in their hand? He goes, huh? He goes, I might do it. <laughs> I go, yeah, it's kind of like a leveler, isn't it? And he goes, yeah. And I said, what if there was discussion? It wasn't just someone preaching at you, but there was actually discussion. Now, you guys know I'm a big fan of preaching, right? But I said, what if there was discussion? And, and rather than someone just, they were hearing what you had to think, like what you said was really valuable. As a religious person, that's really valuable to know that that's how you see religious people. I go, I got to be honest. I've seen religious people like that a lot too. And it's very off-putting. And I said, so if there was conversation and people's opinions were respected and you could talk about God like that and you could be in a brewery and do it, wouldn't you be more open to going to a church like that? He goes, that'd actually be interesting. And you could just see his whole demeanor had changed based on that. Mm. And then, of course, your mind goes to Jesus, right? Where, where did Jesus go? Well, he was the apostle, right? He was the apostle. He was the sent one, the missionary. And where does he go? He goes with the sinners, tax collectors, their wild parties. And he sits and he talks with them. What was funny is this is kind of along the subject and kind of not, but you made me think of it. So I'm going to share it anyway, because that's kind of how we do it here. We're on a subject and then boom, tangent. So I was at uh, this training event in Phoenix, I don't know, last month, two months ago, whenever it was. And my good buddy leads it. My good buddy is a Mormon. And there's a, it's at a hotel and there's a bar there. And you know me, man, I love me a, I love me a good, a good frothy beer. So, (laughs) so, you know, he was talking, there was, there was a whole group of us and um, every man in the room (laughs) was a Christian except for him. Right. He's the Mormon. And um, so he made this comment because someone asked him something about, you know, did you want to go into the bar? We're just going to, you know, go in there and talk after the meeting or whatever. And he's like, no, I just, you know. I, I don't I don't like to give that impression. I don't, I don't like to go to, to the bar. I don't have any problem with people doing it, but I, I don't want people to think, you know, that I participate in that kind of activity, you know, drinking socially, not getting drunk, but just drinking, which is a very common thing to hear from Christians, right? In America, sure. I should say, not, not other course. parts of the world, but this is a very much an American um, mindset. And um, so I, just, I didn't say anything. I was just, you know, listening to this. And a little bit later, the the line came up. I go, well, and it wasn't directed towards him, and it wasn't directly connected to what he said. So I could say this line without, like, offending him. And I said, well, you know, there's a reason that Jesus was uh, called a drunkard and a friend of sinners. It's not because he didn't go to the bar. It's because he did go to the bar, you know, as, as Hugh Halter put it. After he's done being a carpenter, he knocks off work, and he probably went to the bar and had a drink with uh, the guys, you know, kind of a thing. I mean, there's a reason he was called that because of the things that he did, the places that he hung out, the the people that he was not supposed to hang out with. He was not supposed to go to a tax collector's house. He was not supposed to go hang out with a prostitute. And he did. Yeah. Yeah, most definitely. And, and so, which by the way, I was just thankful that my Mormon friend won't go to the bar (laughs) because I will go to the bar. (laughs) Well, here's, here's the thing though, right? This is what I'm saying is 
apostolic guys, they will go where no one goes because that it just like Jesus did. That is where uh, they're called to go. And I'm not saying like you pick the, you know, like you go to the strip club, like you can take that argument too far. Right. Oh, definitely. Um, you can. There, there's you, a point at which you're participating in sin. Yeah, Jesus yeah. never participated in sin. Absolutely. And yet, you know, it does say that when Jesus goes to Matthew's house, there are prostitutes there. And so, you know, I'm not saying that there was a wild orgy raging, but he was in some mixed company and some rather unsavory characters were there. And there might have been some stuff going on in some back rooms. But Jesus, he he would go to these areas. And what I'm saying is what we're doing often in church planning by not realizing that you know, we we need to start with funding guys that are apostolic and realizing that it's not about that church. If we're serious about multiplication and church planning movements, then you need a guy who's dedicated to the movement and dedicated to multiplication, not just dedicated to one church. You're not going to get if you only see your leadership as local and not as regional. I'm not arguing for bishops. I'm not arguing for parishes. I'm not getting into the historic structures of, of the church and the medieval church or whatever. I'm literally talking, I'm saying focus on the leader. And, and this is where the shift in uh, your, your whole uh, paradigm uh, needs to happen is that well, all we think of is leader, church. Mm. Well, the first century was leader, expansion of churches. And that's where, like, for example, the Southern Baptists, they – they understand that, you know, North American Mission Board, we need a catalyst. And that's what they have. They have a guy that's assigned to a gateway city, and that's what he does. And so, you know, but but even so, um, what we need to look at generally in the body of Christ is, is there a need? And this is what I raise in Church Zero. Cha-ching! Is, you know, the whole idea that what if we rediscovered this role? That's where the key to multiplication happens, in my opinion. It's because we just think church leader funding that we basically our whole system is dead ending the expansion of the church. And so you could talk about multiplication, discipleship, all that kind of stuff, all you want. And if you don't have the right structure in place or you don't understand the first century model of expansion, you're not going to get first century expansion. Mm. That's interesting, man. That's that's really um it's interesting because I think it also goes back to some of our podcasts where we've talked about uh, funding and we talked about the bylaws and we talked about, and, and guys, I don't even know what number to tell you to go back and listen to, but I'm going to give you kind of a brief overview because I was talking with someone the other day and they go, that's a really novel idea. I've never heard that before. And I'm like, well, you should listen to our podcast. One of the things that you had talked about is as a serial church planner, as a guy who continually does this. You got sick and tired of every time the church could pay you, you go off and start another church. Then <laughs> you got to start over at zero again. Yeah. And the okay. next guy coming in, well, he gets a full paycheck, and you're the one who did, you know, all the struggling. Yeah. And uh, so you changed it on this current one, and the current one, uh, Long Beach, basically says uh, you get paid after you leave. And you, for a and time, for a yeah. time, yeah, and it, it's it's almost like a teeter totter. You start off at the higher level, and then as uh, time progresses, uh, the guy who who's now taken over that church, his income starts to go up and up and up, and my as goes yours down goes and down. down and down and down. But yeah. that way, you're 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 basically funded on mission, right? So yeah. 
part of what you're talking about here goes back to how do you even structure the funding that's coming into the church? And it yeah. has to be structured that way. And and here's what's in in the in the initial and and that model's great when you're the first church plant. So you say, look, let's say three years I'm there. Let's say the first year I'm I'm taking three thousand just for the sake of argument. I'm taking three thousand the first year. Then the second 3, year, um, you know, let's say I leave after a year. The second year I take two thousand, you know, or or maybe I take three thousand that first year I go. Then the second year I'm gone, I take two. Well, meanwhile, the guy who came in at the 1,000 level, it's 4,000 budget total, right? A month for salary. Um, in the second year, when you go to two, he goes up from one to two. I have no idea where my phone is. Oh, it's in my pocket. Sorry. <laughs> Didn't set that. It's been a crazy morning. I got a sick baby. So, But I can't stop that other part of the computer up. What the heck? I turned it off on mine. Yeah, that's good. I should hit the off button on the other devices. That's what you're saying? No, there's, there's a, a way to turn it off. Oh, okay. I couldn't yeah, stand it, man. I got like three iPads, an Apple computer. My phone would ring and like I the house it. would start ringing. So anyways, then your second or your third week, then you go into a, um, or your third year, sorry, third year, that guy goes up to 3,000. You're at 1,000. Now, the incentive is, is as you've planted, your your incentive is to move on. That guy's incentive is to work his butt off to get some more evangelism done. And so that's the deal is you're, and I'm not and it's bringing complaining. the right people in. Like that's the, the part that yeah. I really liked. You could take a church. Let's say you got a church of 40, 50 people. You know, you could go to any seminary and find someone who would say, yeah, I'd love to take over that church. Yeah. Cause that's what they, they, they want to do. Yeah. But they, it starts to whittle down when you go, and by the way, we're not going to pay you anything. I'm going to leave and I'm still going to get paid. Yeah. And um, you're going to have to work for it. Well, oh, I needed a job. I mean, I was willing to take over 40, 50 people if I'm going to get paid for it. Yeah. It, it attracts you right? the right pastor, the right guy. Who wouldn't? Yeah. And we've been really fortunate to have who we have, which is Chris uh, Langham from Through the Word, because he, he was like, hey, no, that's cool, man. I'll come in. He actually took a pay cut to come with us. Because, you know, for him, it, it was just a good fit. He's done fantastic. But I would say, you know, the, the idea is that as a ninja planner, you have to be able to, um, it, it's not about setting up a church. The, the image, I lo- the imagery of a ninja, what I love is they cover their face because when you're a samurai, right? A samurai, he's all about honor, you know? Um, that's why he does everything. It's about the family honor. If you dishonor the family, you got to commit Harry Carey. Not a ninja, man. He covers his face. He's like, I don't want honor and I don't want to bring dishonor. Um, it's not about me. I'm here to get a job done. And that's what the apostle Paul, you constantly hear that in him. He's moving around. He's getting the job done. And so you're not going to have as a ninja planner, you're not going to have all this fame. In fact, you'll go back to churches. They won't know who in the heck you are. Um, but that's the first century model. Paul writes, and he's writing in Ephesus to people that he left years earlier, right? They're they're on their grandkids now. He's writing Ephesus, and hardly anyone's probably there that remembers when Paul planted that church. And he sent most of his leadership out to um, to uh, to plant other churches. So I'm just saying it, it's a little bit of an axe to grind, I admit, but uh, I am saying that. Uh, you need to have that type of leader. If you do want to um, 
learn a little bit more. I've got a, uh, a book that will be coming out on this in future. Um, it's called The Church Planning Ninja. And you can get... Uh, Is that the one uh, that you're getting published? No, that's not the that's not the contract I signed. I'm probably, you know, I don't know if anyone will even publish the church. It's such a game changer in in what it talks about. I don't think anyone will actually publish that book because it'll be like, oh man, that's 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 so outside of the box. I don't think so. I may self publish that one, and I'm actually really excited because you have absolute freedom when you self publish a book, and so that would be awesome. But uh, if you want to get that book, it is. PeytonJones.ninja, when you go to that website, it will get uh, a prompt. <laughs> I remember I, I that day we were buying domains. I'm like, I got PeteMitchell.ninja. <laughs> I thought you were laughing because you're like, I actually wasn't planning on giving you this website. I'm not actually trying to sell anything. I just, you can get the ebook, and it, I'm pretty proud of it, but it's, uh, it's, it's called The Church Planning Did, Ninja. I know that I bought this. Did you buy PeytonJones.sexy? Because I know I bought PeteMitchell.sexy. <laughs> no, I just figured it was assumed. Man, I should start using that as mine, PeteMitchell.sexy. I don't know, man, because then when they start Googling you, you know, I don't know. That's don't the see those funny naked part of, of it. I'm so not sexy. <laughs> no, I'm talking about who knows what may come up. Oh, well, <laughs> oh, I get you. <laughs> Pete Mitchell, stop causing my church planners to stumble. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, hey, uh, tell me about any good books you've read. So I did read a book very similar to this theme today. It was called The Apostolic Church Planter. Or actually, it's Apostolic Church Planting. Forgive me. And it was by J.D. Payne. Um, he is on staff over at Brook Hills. He used to lecture at, I think it was Southeast Seminary. But now he's, and he was teaching on church planning. Right now, he is the church multiplication pastor at Brook Hills Church. And you can grab that on Amazon. It's Apostolic Church Planning. Again, I will say this. He has sponsored the show. That's why we're mentioning. But I would literally recommend this book for chapter six alone. I'm always looking for someone who can write something new and something groundbreaking. And his chapter six in that book uh, taught me a lot about myself. And whenever I learn something about my own role, it puts it into words about what it means to be an apostolic church planner. That is key. So grab the book, read chapter six, and if you like it, read the rest of it. You know, and one other thing, just before we uh, sign off here, you know, with this being the end of the year, how are you planning on taking care of all those uh, tax receipts that have to go out to everybody? Well, to put it uh, in song, in, in Les Miserables style, um, <laughs> I would say, and, and I kid you not on this, this is my favorite part of the end of the year is when I don't have to do that crap. So SimplifyChurch.com is who we're using. And literally... I can take all of the the checks, and, and some of you guys don't realize this. When you get donations, um, you are required to give tax receipts to those people who give to you as a 501c3. Um, if you don't, chances are people will not, a, a good chunk of people will not continue to give to you anyways. Um, but you should be scanning or taking pictures of those checks. Um, you have to give a report to... Um, the IRS. Well, what we do is we just scan those checks or take pictures of them, record it. It can be on a spreadsheet. We just have to let them know. And then they prepare all the reports. Who's uh, Simplifiedchurch.com. Woohoo! Woohoo! And they save us 
so much time. That is something I can just take pictures of my phone every week when the checks come in or when someone does a giving envelope, write that down, or just send the photos on to simplifiedchurch.com and they will collate it, organize it, file my end of year tax report. And then the people on the other end that are donating, they get their tax uh, break from the IRS and they're happy. They're like, thanks for that church. If you don't do that, like I said, you're in violation of IRS code and you actually are going to uh, uh, cause problems with your donors and their trust of you. See, si, senor. So very true. So use simplifychurch.com and head on over to simplifychurch.com. Well, guys, thanks for joining us today for the Church Planner Podcast. And we want to remind you, if you want to reach ones no one's reaching, go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Music